Have you ever walked into one of those seasons where you didn't feel like your life mattered? I had a season like that, all in one day, yesterday. I'm one of those kinds of people who, when I see a problem, I can't rest until I figure it out. I've spent the last 18 years, often behind the scenes, making sure that our city was well represented. Fixing things is just something I do, and when it comes to electronics, I'm pretty good at it, but lately I've felt marginalized and that, well, I didn't matter. I've noticed that often government doesn't work well with others, and they try to do things themselves instead of trusting the professionals that exist to do their job right. Yesterday was one of those days as I watched them struggle, and I knew what was wrong, but I just wasn't going to be heard. I knew there's always more to this story and how patience is important, but fighting through fatigue made everything such a blur. But here's how I've learned to battle back when I know I'm wrong. Today, Pastor Hardika is going to look at one of the deepest and most vital spiritual roots needed, if we are to remain strong when things press in hard. If we can understand that life's pressures clearly reveal where our faith is struggling, then we know what to do. And the answer isn't nearly as hard as we may think. I've been desperately trying to retire for almost six months now. With COVID, I haven't felt right to just leave with so many cities needing to get their meetings out to the public. It's taken a big toll, and chest pain has been a constant companion for several weeks. So, a feeling like I don't matter isn't a good place to be or a good diagnosis when fatigue is really at the root of it. But this honest description of my battle is just the diving board to talk about the way the Bible has described our feelings of low esteem and how this battle yesterday was quickly going to be won. I want to talk about the spiritual component that is at the heart of self-pity and especially guilt. I like to take and paint a picture of the truth of John chapter 1 verse 12 where it says as many as receive him to them he gives power to become sons of God. See yourself walking down the long hallway toward the throne room of God. Are you picturing it? Blood is the price that you must pay. Life must be given as sin's penalty. A prison sentence cannot pay the price. Good works cannot cover the stain of sin on the body and soul. The life of a person must be surrendered to the claim of the altar. The penalty must be thoroughly executed. Blood proves death before God and man, but Jesus comes alongside your hesitant walk and says, Here, take my blood, offer it before the Father. Your blood won't do. You will die, for your blood is insufficient. For it is not a pure offering. It's tainted. The offering must be pure. There can be no blemish upon it. Blood from a corrupt and unclean vessel will never be accepted before our Father. Hell will be your eternity, for there is nothing that can ever supply what is not available. This is going to be your second death. Your first death was hard to bear for those you left behind, but to die to all that is God, all that is heaven, and all that is love and family with no hope is a far worse death than the one you just experienced. Take my blood, Jesus says. It was shed for you. It's a perfect sacrifice. 
I have already accomplished the demand of the altar. The judicial ruling of the throne of eternity has demanded a holy and perfect price be paid. Without my blood shed and my perfect life given, all of mankind would exist in eternal hell and torment with the devil and his fallen angels. Lord, I would say, how do I know that my penalty has been paid? When I stand before the Father, the Almighty Creator of glory, what assurance do I have that your sacrifice is acceptable for my sins? Jesus will say, My brother, I died on the cross, though death was not possible for me because I was sinless. Death is the penalty for sin. No man, nor nation, nor demon could have taken my life, for the Father would not have allowed it because I was sinless. But it was your sin that was laid upon me, and it killed me. You did this to me, for I took your identity as a human being. The Father laid your sins upon me. But as the Son of God, I had authority to both lay it down and take it up again, as my word has shown you. I could not have died unless it had been given from above. As a man, I was permitted to die for you. But as Almighty God, the Son of the Eternal Father, I had the power to raise this body up again. As my word has said, I have conquered death, and I arose. So your sin could not destroy my life. If I was not able to defeat the sin that you put upon me, I would still be in the grave. If there was one sin that was upon me that I could not conquer, one sin that you or any other of the billions of people on earth laid upon me, I could not have raised from the dead. But I overcame death, hell, and the grave, and have given you my victory. When you believed me, that is the moment I became sin for you, and then I was made your righteousness. It's written of me, but he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, our Father was satisfied with my offering for you, and by your faith in me, he is satisfied with you. This is my authority, my liberty, to become a son of God, and it is the authority to continue to be who God has made me to be. I will walk down the hallway of eternal judgment into the throne of God, and there I will find that it is called the throne of grace. The Bible says I have boldness, which means in the Greek language, freedom of speech. A son of God is one whose life is coming from God, not from men, from oneself or this world's provisions. So when I am seeking to comprehend Jesus' life given to me, it is a life that is made possible by deliverance from the sin that destroys life. Adam and Eve were barred from the tree of life after they sinned, lest they live eternally in a fallen state of misery. Power is the governing authority of one's life that releases the ability to be all that God has called us to be. I suppose we could call this 
pro-choice. We now have the power to choose the right things. We don't have to be dominated by a sense of any identity crisis, self-loathing, poor self-image, or despair over our past or present. I have the power now to choose to be peaceful and joyful. The more I feed upon the truth about who I am in Christ and to Christ, the more I release this power of a free will to be victorious. You see, it's our perceived identity that establishes our thoughts and actions. Is it not the judged identity that we have that determines so many of our decisions and determinations, our motivations and our challenges? For lack here, our present-day identity dilemma in America has soared into great and terrible places. The more I embrace by faith my identity in Christ as a brother of His, the more I will find my soul completed and in no need to yield to a temptation to despair. My life matters. My identity is not my need to fix things. My life matters because Christ has given me His identity as a member of His family. To despair of my existence, as if no one cares, is simply looking to men and self for life's great treasure. It's a departure from faith. If Christ died for any of us, then in the estimation of our Maker, we matter to God. And really, isn't it enough to know that the One with all wisdom and knowledge wants us to be with Him forever? Pastor Hardiga has said many times, that since Christ died for us, when God sees us, He sees Jesus, and when the devil accuses us, He too, sees Jesus. If we will simply believe in Him. Our identity becomes based in who Jesus is, not in what we have said or done. If we let our faith come first, the power to act like God's Son will follow, for He has given us power to be sons of God.